If you need a new roof or a repair, Easton Roofing will take care of you. Estimates are always free and suggestions are built on integrity. Visit EastonRoofing.com for more information. Get back to business faster with Easton Roofing. Easton Roofing. Integrity matters. He'll help you fantasy focus while he scoops the news. He's on TV more often than he's in bed. He'll break down the NFL without a single hair ever out of place. It's Field Yates of ESPN. Now in the zone with Jason Anderson on Sports Radio 810 WHB. All right, we'll continue right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Jason Anderson with you. Josh Briscoe, Dylan Michaels heading up until 2 o'clock. Mick Schaefer joins us an hour from now. we got Learn Funniest Best coming your way. Field Yates from ESPN, NFL Insider joining us here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And, uh, you know, Field, there's the uh, opening night with um, uh, the, the media and everything going on tonight for the uh, NFL. But um, it was kind of a preview to the opening night last night with the Grammys and Taylor Swift and everything and uh, Travis Kelsey's uh, girlfriend uh, that's there. And apparently uh, big news I around. I they were married. Isn't that what Romo kept saying? Well, my wife noticed when she walked out on the red carpet, she was wearing a white dress. And my wife goes, is she trying to sort of uh, preview something? And then like 10 minutes later, Bridal Magazine on Instagram tweeted out and said, Taylor Swift in her wedding era, question mark. My wife is like, I had it first. Um, But uh, Kansas City, the highest rated city watching the Grammys last night. Doesn't surprise me, although uh, my wife and I might have given Kansas City a run for its money with the reactions that we had last night during the Grammys. I got to be honest with you, um, you know, obviously the Taylor thing doesn't bother me uh, any way, shape, or form. So I've been able to distance myself from that conversation. I just enjoyed that last night. Like last night was like entertaining. It was a nice change up from football and. I don't know. Maybe I'm too much of a mensch, but um, I think it's cool that yeah. the most popular person on the planet, or at least on the very short list, also has this um, very natural sort of like uh, I was, cheerleader's not the quite word, not quite the right word, but it was that the happiness that she was sharing for uh, various artists who certainly are, are no slouches in their own right last night was really cool. Like the number of moments where the camera panned to Taylor Swift and she was cheering on. Even in the case of uh, you know a, a fellow nominee for the same award, I thought was a, a cool moment, a cool thing to see last night, and uh, a good few clean hours of fun last night during the Grammys. All right, so we've got some uh, news that we want to uh, put out there. It is not football related; it's not NFL related. Field Yates, uh, but it is uh, breaking news, and uh, that is uh, a tweet that went out about oh, two minutes I saw ago. Saw this from my friend Jeff. Passion. That's right. Ah. Uh, tweet from. Do you uh, want to do ten minutes on Bobby Witt? <laughs> we can. Bobby Witt Jr. tweeted out a uh, 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 a tweet that said, "Not going anywhere." And uh, Jeff Passan has now broken the news. Shortstop Bobby Witt Jr. and the Royals have agreed to an eleven-year, two hundred and eighty-eight point seven million dollar contract extension. Sources tell ESPN the monumental deal. There's full details on it, includes opt-outs, club options. Um, and uh, so Bobby Witt Jr. is staying with the Royals in an 11-year extension, um, which extension a little bit different when it comes to, like, service time and baseball and all of that stuff compared to, like, when Mahomes signed his 10-year extension. He had two years left on his yeah. rookie deal, so there was a 12-year deal. Josh, you've got something? Yeah, just that Sam McDowell says it's a 14-year agreement with 11 <laughs> guaranteed. 14 years with Bobby Witt Jr. Um, so, yeah, so there you go. The uh, Royals are spending money 
and wanting you to go to the ballot in April and vote for their <laughs> new stadium. Money, yeah. uh, you know what? The stadium that Bobby built yep. Uh, yep. might be uh, what that would be. Uh, so we will have tons and tons to talk about with uh, Bobby Witt this week. Royals stealing the Chiefs spotlight. Take that, Chiefs. <laughs> Look at that. I mean, a 23-year-old Bobby Witt is like Patrick Mahomes is older. He's like, what, 28? Or how yeah. I forget how old Patrick is right now. 27 I've got, going on 40. 30, yeah, 30 dingers last year for Bobby Witt. Uh, you know, the centerpiece of this franchise that is in this transformative stage. This is my attempt to uh, break down baseball. <laughs> I should probably leave to the experts. But uh, while I may not necessarily be the most ardent follower of the uh, Kansas City Royals, I do know that Bobby Witt absolutely rules. I also know that baseball has the weirdest setup for contracts and extensions and things yes. of this nature. So I'll take it at your word that this is a good deal. I generally think that keeping players around for the long haul that are really good is good business. That is my incredibly nuanced insight on this breaking news. Yeah, we'll find out if it's good business for the Royals. We'll get into some of that uh, after we talk with Field Yates with the NFL opening night coming up tonight. Um, yeah, let's go. The, uh, the storylines, I mean, is this going to be a week dominated by uh, the game manager conversation, or will that get played out soon and we can get into, like, breakdown of uh, what we think will happen on the field. No, not going to happen. Just get used to it. You know, (laughs) I've told people this more and more because, uh, you know, these are are things that have entered into my own life as I – uh, sort of sort of chart and navigate like where uh, how I want to spend my energy on a day-to-day basis. I tell people all the time like you you do have some latitude over what you consume and who you consume, right? Mm-hmm. So here's the deal. Is Brock Purdy a game manager? First of all, I don't even if is there like a very specific definition of what that means? If there is, send it my way, we can decide from there. But the bottom line is this. Um, they're in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You're 60 minutes away from being a Super Bowl champion. So I can put that all aside. I can guarantee this, though. If you're the Chiefs right now, you're not talking about whether Brock Purdy is a game manager or not. You're talking about what does he do well? What does he do at a very high level that makes life difficult on defenses as it has for much of this season? What are the challenges that we have to slow down? Uh, when the Chiefs played the 49ers last year, I believe those were the final games of Jimmy Garoppolo's tenure before I know it was because Brock Purdy didn't lose a start, quote-unquote lose a start, mm-hmm. uh, until the NFC Championship game last year. So it's the first time seeing him. Uh, it's finding a way to kind of mitigate what he does really well. Um, and, and, and if you can, take advantage of areas that you think are a bit more vulnerable. In the same way that Patrick Mahomes, the greatest player on the planet, one of the five best quarterbacks already of all time with a chance to become the best and most accomplished ever, that's what the 49ers will do. What are the things that maybe give Patrick a little bit of fit? There aren't many of those things, but if there are, find those and try to expose them. Is the you know we we, uh, we went through in the previous uh, hour that uh, sort of stumbled on just a conversation around the quarterbacks the Chiefs have played, um, and and sort of talking about these four quarterbacks that the three of them they would have faced, and then Brock Purdy coming up in the Super Bowl, and like okay, so how good is Brock Purdy compared to those other two? And and I I ranked them. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, then Brock Purdy, then Tua. So I think Brock Purdy would be the third best quarterback they've uh, gone up against. And that's no offense to Brock Purdy because I think game manager needs a new PR rep. Uh, that's uh, that's what I yeah, think. Because, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm with you. Because Patrick totally. Mahomes managed the the hell out of the game against the Ravens in the second half. So, sure, um, totally. You know, if Brock, exactly right. With six straight drives of the punt and yeah. then, uh, you know, last drive, which right. they, you know, they did have one big, one big bro, but mostly it was running the football. Right? Absolutely, yeah. It, 
is that fair to look at it and uh, and say, you know, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Brock Purdy? It doesn't mean that Brock Purdy won't win the game and, and he won't quarterback a team to a win, but uh, this would be the best quarterback the 49ers have gone up against in the postseason and the third best quarterback the Chiefs have gone up against in this postseason run? That is correct. I would agree with that assessment. And I think it's important to note that like a quarterback also fits within the context of the team, yeah. right? Yep. If you drop Brock Purdy in – Buffalo, I think they would be worse, and the Bills would be now with Josh Allen. Meanwhile, if you brought Josh to San Francisco, they'd be even better than they already are with Brock Purdy. However, Brock in San Francisco might be comparable to the challenge of Josh in Buffalo because when those two teams played, you know, the Bills kind of searching for answers in their passing game with Stephon Diggs becoming basically a non-factor for the last 11 games of the season relative to the standard that he had set for quite some time. So, I don't know. Maybe I sound too much like, you know, what I'm sure Steve Spagnolo is sounding like to his defensive players right now. <laughs> I don't think Spags is going into the meeting every day and saying, hey, you know what, Chris Jones, as long as we get this guy to manage the game, we'll be okay. He's probably going in there and saying, listen, he's got 85, 19, 11, 22, depth level pieces as well. And if you take all those guys and you sort of roll them up into a ball, you might have the best yards after catch team in the NFL, yeah. and they can do more than that. So just don't bother worrying about whether the guy's a game manager or not. Worry about winning the game. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. And I think, you know, Spags has been pretty deferential. Um, he, he was very complimentary about um, uh, Brock Purdy and how good he is on Friday. And I think the Chiefs will be that all week long, uh, that they'll be complimentary of how good Brock Purdy is and uh, not a game manager it can make the plays. And I talked about it, too. I'm like, you know, uh, the, they're – Two was a guy that if you got him off his spot, he was a different quarterback. Obviously, Josh Allen is a different beast in and of himself, and Lamar Jackson is incredibly electric and is going to win the MVP and is going to hold that trophy coming up this weekend. Um, and, and Brock Purdy is not on the level of runner that Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson is, but um, the... I don't think he's sneaky athletic. I just think he's athletic. Like, I yeah. just think he's a, a good runner of the uh, football when need be. He's just not called upon to do it like Josh Allen and like Lamar Jackson are. And I wonder, is is that sort of an advantage for the Chiefs, that they've gone up against guys that they've had to be very disciplined in their rush lanes against a Josh Allen and against a Lamar Jackson, that if that element of the game maybe is taken care of to a degree with Brock Purdy, that, you know, it limits some of the things he can do. Certainly some of the things in the second half he was doing against the Lions uh, and picking up first downs uh, with his legs and creating that way and sort of showing the, see, I'm not a game manager, even though, again, you and I have already talked about the game manager thing. Um, the, the Chiefs have, have had the challenge in Steve Spagnuolo's defense of facing off against guys that, they don't want to let outside the pocket or find a seam right up the middle. Yeah, totally. Um, and by the way, to go back to initial one of the initial comments there, I think that sneaky athletic is just what we call white guys that aren't like Josh Allen. By the <laughs> That's athletic, right. right? Uh, pretty much it. Um, but yeah, that I mean, 49 rush yards last week in the second half alone. I think he had negative one in the first half against the Lions. So you got to kind of see, like, you, know, you, you don't want to overreact just to one game, but last week was certainly emblematic of the fact that if the game plan going into the game is just get Brock Purdy off of this spot, well, how did that work out for Detroit in the second half specifically? You know, we can talk about, you know, whether he's a major threat, a minor threat, somewhere in between with his legs. But ultimately, when I think back to, like, what Detroit did last week that I thought, like, really paved the way for a dominant first half, it was a couple of things. First of all, they punched him in the mouth early on offense, right? Which when you're playing, and this is not a road game for either team, or I guess it's a, I guess it's, not a home game for either team on Sunday, although the Chiefs 
uh, have won lots of games there uh, against the Raiders. Um, but like taking the win out of the sales for, I thought that was like a real thing last week. Like the 49ers falling behind early felt like kind of the, the crowd was geared up for that one to be a, you know, just to just totally cruise past the Lions uh, in short order right out of the gate. That helped. And then it's going to sound like really dumb and really obvious, but the Lions coverage got a whole lot worse in the second half. And there was some dumb luck involved, obviously, with the 51 yard play that uh, Brock Purdy should have been intercepted on. And, but, but I thought that the, the first half was like fairly impressive in terms of like coverage and designing some blitzes, right? I mean, they've got that the Lions were able to generate some pressure with some slot blitzes. As we know, you know, the Chiefs are going to have a million different pressures on Sunday. So if I were to point to like the recipe for unseating uh, Brock Purdy and the 49ers on Sunday, it would be a couple of things. One would be when he gives you an opportunity, you got to capitalize. Yeah. I mean, you can't let those uh, interceptions go through the wicket and be stuck. Um, you know, a play, not even a play, I guess one play later, letting up a touchdown. Right. Um, and then also is the pressure. Like, Pressure, how, how many quarterbacks, the answer is very few, get any better whatsoever under pressure. I mean, that's part of what makes some of the very best to ever do it so great. Patrick probably on that very short list. But Brock Purdy, um, like 99.8% of the quarterbacks that have ever played, is going to be a lot easier to defend when under duress. Call me crazy, but if the Chiefs can get pressure on Sunday, they've got a really good shot to win. Yeah, I'm with you. Matt Verderam, uh, we talked with him in the 11 o'clock hour um, from Sports Illustrated, and he was uh, pretty bullish on the Chiefs and their defense. And um, I-, I think Steve Spagnolo, and he had mentioned that maybe uh, Steve Spagnolo might be considered for Hall of Fame status if uh, the Chiefs win this game and even as a defensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, and I just think that's how good uh, Steve Spagnolo has been um, as a defensive coordinator, what he might be able to do against uh, Brock Purdy in this game. And so we'll find out. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to watch it. Uh, Field, any, uh, what are some of the matchups, maybe one or two in particular? And then I want to get your thoughts on Cliff Kingsbury and then a prediction before we let you go. But like a matchup one way or another that you may be looking at early in the game that, that may give you an indication as to how the game may go. Yeah, so I think that uh, we'll do. Do we have any sense? You might have a better sense than I do on Jarek McKinnon and his availability for this game on Sunday. I know obviously he's been designated to return, which I don't think they would do that unless they felt like he had a shot to play on Sunday. Um, if he does, uh, McKinnon and just the Chiefs running backs uh, in the middle field passing game in general, right? Mm-hmm. There's probably no better coverage linebacker than Fred Warner. So just the middle of the field passing game is yeah. going to be one to keep an eye on. And then I think conversely is. You think about some of the critical plays so far this uh, season for the Chiefs uh, and the Buffalo game a couple weeks ago, right? Everybody's talking about, or still talking about the Josh Allen throw uh, to the end zone that came up several yards short. And as we know, the key to that play is Chris Jones generating pressure on Deion Dawkins. Uh, The movable chess piece, Chris Jones, I think is a key one to watch because well, obviously, you'd, you'd imagine, you know, the majority of his snaps are going to be, you know, from three technique to three technique. Uh, the fact that he can be moved around to different places is going to impact how the 49ers protect. And, you know, it's going to potentially uh, expose, well, at least uh, highlight some of the yeah. players that aren't, you know, as dominant as Trent Williams. Yeah. Those would be a couple that come to mind for me. Um, Love it. And, yeah, uh, yeah that's a good start. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, before we get a prediction, Cliff Kingsbury. Not the Raiders OC. He is the commander's offensive coordinator. Was this the commanders getting involved and saying, we'll offer you more money? Um, Did did talks break down with the Raiders before the commanders got involved? How did he go from what looked like to be the offensive coordinator with the uh, Raiders to now he's coordinating the uh, commander's offense? Okay, so a couple of things here to know. And this one is a a hat tip to my friend and colleague, Adam Schefter. It Uh sounds like the commander said, hey, three years is no problem, which if you're a coordinator uh, and it sounded like the Raiders – 
uh, maybe we're talking two years. Let me get the tweet that I saw a little while ago. Um, let's see. It, it says, it was a contractual dispute between Cliff Kingsbury and the Las Vegas Raiders. I think the Raiders were offering a two-year deal, and Washington was more than happy to offer that third year. That's according to Adam Schefter of the Pat McAfee show hmm. not too long ago. So okay. that seems to be part of the intel here. I'd imagine that part of it also is this, Jason, is that um, two things. One, I'm trying to avoid the AFC if I can, specifically the AFC West. Yeah. Two, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, what is the best path to becoming a head coach at the NFL level as soon as possible? The answer is tutoring a quarterback that becomes a star. The commanders have the second pick in a draft that has three quarterbacks that I think all merit number one overall pick consideration. I would rank them in a vacuum. Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, one, two, Drake May is three. One of those three guys is going to be your quarterback if you guys decide to – which I would be shocked if they didn't take a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. So if in your Raiders, you're picking 13th. Yeah. And Jason, my first mock draft is due in nine days. I have wow. uh, not finalized it by any stretch, but I've started working on it and I have made it through. These could all change by tomorrow. So it's not like <laughs> I am etching this in stone. 12 picks. And I got to tell you, Jason, getting to the first 12, you realize how fast those quarterbacks are flying off the board. And yeah. I stopped at 13 because the Raiders make things quite complicated. Not only are you probably missing out on you are missing out on those first three quarterbacks, most likely, Jason. You might miss out on one or two more. So uh, if you're Cliff Kingsbury and you're saying, "Well, I really like these two, I really like these three, I really like these four, you might miss out on all of them because beyond the teams at the very top of the draft, you've also got the Falcons at pick eight, you've got the Broncos at pick twelve. Like if the Vikings don't retain Kirk Cousins, the Vikings at pick eleven. So uh, it's a lot less uh, clear of a path to have a quarterback you can build your offense around. Good point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last one for you, um, you know, six days away. Uh, what do you think happens in the Super Bowl if you have a uh, score for us in mind? 27-24. Hasn't changed since last week. I feel like if, awesome. uh, if it's a good thing, you might as well just keep it going. So, <laughs> uh, three and five seasons, you know, that, that catapults you into, you know, dynasty territory. Yeah. If you're not already kind of in that, that, that spot, mm-hmm. as it were, but uh, should be a great one. Looking forward to actually leave for Vegas in two hours, so I might nice. be on Radio Row if you're heading out there as well. I'm not going this um, year. Uh, I will not you know be why? on Radio Row this year. Yeah. I'll tell you why. You know why? Because the station is saying, Jason, we can't, like, you know, it's not cheap to get these radio <laughs> stations out there. And it's like, we keep doing this every year. They're gonna, the Chiefs are going right. to put us out of business. They're yes. going to make us and, and put us out of business <laughs> at the same right. time. That's right. We got uh, our afternoon show is going down there uh, or over there uh, to uh, to Vegas this year. So we've got representatives that'll be there, um, and uh, we'll have tonight covered and everything. We got our guy Artie en route uh, there to uh, cover tonight. So so yeah, we got it covered. But uh, I was not upset to not head to uh, Vegas. I'll be looking forward to New Orleans next year. I'll be uh, I'll be down at uh, Radio Row at New Orleans next year for sure. Uh, so. As you know, Jason, I, I reference my, my two young children often on this show. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the idea of me escaping for five days is going over swimmingly with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> to Vegas, no less, right? No doubt. Honey, it's uh, it's work. i got to work. What do you want me to totally. do here? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Field, you're the man. Enjoy the work. Uh, enjoy the game. And uh, hopefully next Monday we are talking about uh, three wins in five years for the Chiefs. We'll see what happens. Thank you, Field, yeah. as always, brother. Hey, we are going to wrap it up one way or the other next week, That's and right. uh, we shall see how it all unfolds. But uh, for very selfish reasons, i.e. my preseason prediction, 27-24 Chiefs would be pretty sweet. That would be nice, uh, certainly. That would <laughs> be the case. Field, you're the man. Appreciate it, sir.
Thank you, Dave. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. There's Field Yates uh, from ESPN NFL Insider. One more conversation with him this year. One more conversation left with Field Yates. It'll be next week, win, lose, or draw for the uh, Chiefs. Draw would be crazy. It'd be really amazing. Um, the first one ever, uh, in fact. It'd be the first tie ever uh, in the Super Bowl. I'd, 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 I'm going to go and look that up just in case. I don't want to give out non-factual information here. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, win or lose, we will talk with Field Yates. Hopefully it is the Chiefs coming away with a victory. I am curious this week to see what the predictions will be because all last week it was Ravens nationally. On this show, Field Yates picked the Chiefs um, to win. A lot of our guests picked the Chiefs to win, and we were smart enough to do the same thing um, as far as uh, – Somebody had to provide the bulletin board material. That's right. Ravens we, weren't talking. I decided to do it for them. did our part. We don't have to do our part this week because the Chiefs hold a lot, um, and Charverius Ward's going to get turned up for a couple days. A wild thing and, to say out loud. In, in Vegas. But then, you know, it is a game, so I'm going to have to get focused after getting turned up for a couple <sighs> days in Vegas. So there you go. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We will switch the conversation and the topic to Royals and Bobby Witt and his 11-year extension, 14-year contract, $377 million ceiling for Bobby Witt Jr. We'll talk about that. The 23-year-old is now going to be a Royal for at least seven more years. We'll explain why at least seven more years. Coming up next. All right, we continue right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Change of plans the rest of the show, or at least for the time being. Bobby Witt Jr. is a Kansas City Royal more than just for the time being. Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be a Royal for at least seven more years. Before today, there was the potential of only four more years of Bobby Witt. Four years and then being a free agent at age 27, which was going to be a massive deal if he continues on this trajectory, which is would be amazing if he did. Uh, you're talking about Hall of Fame, you know, all-time great status if he continues on a trajectory of potentially 30 and 50 um, in year two and, and fantastic shortstop defensive play when he went from uh, being a butcher uh, over at uh, shortstop to then being a damn fine player at shortstop that would make highlight plays and the bat was there, and the speed was there, and the batting average and on base and all of those things coming along, and the power, we know about that, like growing into a bona fide superstar, top 10 MVP voting, et cetera, et cetera, four years left was going to be one of those to where your time frame, your timetable was so truncated that you had to just hit on so many different people and get it right so often to put around Bobby Witt Jr. Because walking away and watching him sign a massive deal after or and, and maybe getting a trade package back and and what that trade package could have been, no idea what that could be in four years. But then having some of these other guys around him and then go, all right, let's start over. Let's start over. Let's start over. Let's start over. And Royals fans had gotten to the point of being tired of doing that. Let's start over. Let's start over. This first group that came along and won the World Series was awesome. And then starting over again. And the rebuild was way too long. And the let's see what we have year, you know, um, the the terminology that John Sherman used, you know, talking about last year, evaluation season, 
They evaluated. They found out guys that can and cannot play. They gave opportunities to guys that either took advantage or did not. They gave Bobby Witt an opportunity to be the everyday shortstop. And not only did he take advantage of it, he showed that he is more than capable, that he is the shortstop of the future for this team. Uh, and now he's going to be a Royal for at least seven years. Uh, his contract for the uh, with the Kansas City Royals, a number of details out there. Um, so... He's entering his third Major League Baseball season. Um, contract allows Bobby Witt to opt out after the seventh, eighth, ninth, and ten years of the contract. So he can opt out after seven years. So that would give him nine years with the Royals. Two, he's already played in seven more. He can opt out after the eighth, after the ninth, after the tenth. It includes a club option after the eleventh season that would tack on three more years and $80 million to the contract, giving it a ceiling of 14 years, $377 million. Do you have other details as to sort of the breakdown of this while I was talking to Field? I'm doing math. Um, I'm trying to gra- – I think you got most of it. Uh, but Preston thanks. Barr just tweeted that Witt will make $148 million in the first seven years of his deal. Okay. And that's kind of the – I've got like, you know, the MLB's Spotrack page up and everything. And the the final number here feels imminently reasonable to me. Like Bobby Witt is getting paid a lot of money earlier than waiting all the way until that mm-hmm. free agency that could have made him more per year and more in total and more guarantees and those years move back and everything. But again, if you think about it as $148 million in the first seven years of the deal, some of the, the larger numbers, the ceiling of $377 million, like you said, obviously that would require both sides opting in at different times, which would be kind of weird just for like Bobby would want to opt in to lock in those years and the Royals would want to opt in after – it, it, we're not going to see it play out, by the yeah. way, that it's on paper today. Um, but I, I think that you've got most of the details that I saw, uh, even when you were talking to Field. And uh, David Lesky tweets, if the Wit deal reaches $377 million, it won't. It'll get re- renegotiated, but play along. That's what Lesky said. Uh, it would be the second largest contract in, in baseball history if the Royals are doling it out. Uh, and then $288.8 million is 14th largest. If you want to look at just the guarantee. The um, uh, Jeff Passan also writes in the story uh, that um, had a deal not been completed, the Royals could have begun entertaining the possibility of trading wit. Um, and um, uh, uh, talks about some of the other particulars that may go along with that. Um, but, you know, that was the worry is like, OK, if you can't get this done, how soon do you need to start examining trading Bobby Witt? And what I had talked about going into this offseason was. Can you sign Bobby Witt to a long-term deal? Can you try to work something out with Bobby Witt in a long-term deal? Offer Shohei $500 million because he's going to say no. And then say, we are investing in the ball club. Go to the ballot in April. Right. Now, they've already shown that they're investing in the ball club. This was something that I didn't know if Bobby Witt would be open to, quite frankly. Yep. That's the thing is... Both sides had to be open to this. I didn't know if Bobby Witt was going to be open to this. I'm happy for the deal. It ain't my money. But also, I know that the Royals are playing a different game than some of the other teams in Major League Baseball. It's a joyful time right now. It is a risk. Now, some of the risks they have made have been later on in careers. You know, didn't sign Hosmer to a long-term deal. Now looking back, thankfully. 
signed Salvi over and over again. Um, you know, that may be a contract that's rough for the Royals right now. Um, maybe keeping them from a, a team giving up a lot to uh, to trade for them. Maybe, maybe that's the case. Um, but those are later on in their careers. Right. The early on contract of investing in a 23-year-old who isn't even in his prime yet and giving this type of money, we haven't really seen that from the Royals. So it's like, well, Alex Gordon, that was a bad contract. Yeah, late in life and keeping him a Royal forever. Well, Salvador Perez, this is a rough contract. Okay, maybe repaying for him being very affordable at a time and also hopefully or trying to make him a Royal for life. There's some of the, it's a family, and this means more, uh, things like that from Dayton Moore, right? And the relationship that's there. So we're willing to write a bigger check with that relationship. This comes off more as, you know, might be a relationship, but it's more baseball as in, we're going to give the money, and we're buying out three years of free agency at least. You got four years left in team control, and we got you for seven more years which is a wider window now for the Royals to try to get something done. They've spent the money now. They want and have talked about the added revenue that they can get by a new ball, uh, by, by a new uh, stadium, by a new baseball stadium. Um, the uh, the district that could be around there and added revenue that can come along with it. Maybe it takes seven, eight years for the whole thing to be built and then start to turn somewhat of a profit. I don't know. Um, but Bobby Witt... 14 years, $377 million, if that's the case, it's $22 million per year. That's, it seems completely reasonable. Which is why it's never going to get to that. Yeah, right. And, you know, 148 in the first seven years is like 26. 148 divided by seven. Well, that can't be right. 148 divided by seven. Is that right? 21? Is that all? 148 by seven? Is that what yeah. I said earlier? Yeah. You said 148 in the first seven years. I'm wondering now if I've said the wrong number or if yeah. that, but yeah, I mean, these are reasonable yeah, the three, deals. The three seventy-seven over fourteen would be about twenty-seven million, right? And it's just it's not the gonna, first yeah, seven years would be around twenty-one, hundred forty-eight million in the first seven years. Okay, would be about twenty-one million, and we'll see how the whole thing goes year in and year out. But the first seven years guaranteed. That's what he's going to get. He can opt out after that. Now, if he's struggling, those years become it becomes more guaranteed dollars. Because he would opt in uh, as opposed to getting, you know, uh, going and hitting free agency. This is one of those to where you actually hope he ends up opting out. Because if he opts out, it means he's going to get a boatload of money because he has been performing at a high level. And you're seven years in the future, hopefully have a winning baseball team, hopefully have your new stadium and and all of the things. that You should be seeing some returns on that Mm -hmm. with the urgency that the Royals have been putting into it all. And over the uh, the first seven years, again at that 148 million dollar number that, that Preston Farr tweeted out, uh, that in, for each year throughout the life of those first seven years, Bobby Witt Jr. would be making less money than Juwan Taylor next year. Had to go there, really. Well, I was looking for a comparable number, and the, he's unfortunately the closest. <laughs> that's he's the making closest. five less than Joe Tooney. Yeah, yeah, um, making more than Travis Kelsey or Justin mm-hmm. Reed. But. And his money's guaranteed, though. So this they, is, they could cut Juwan Taylor. This is this is real guaranteed money yeah. for Bobby Witt, a 23-year-old who's getting paid early. But man, tell me, 21 million per? I I never I wouldn't bat an eye at that one time. I don't think it's a surprising number. Um, and and maybe that's where they would have been working all along when some of the numbers are looked at. It's like 30, 35 million. What are you paying for this guy? Is 23? And what would it take for him to come to the table? And agree to those terms. 
and agree to give up years of free agency. Because one of the things we've talked about is he's not somebody that really needed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's made seven, eight, nine million dollars in his career already as a 23-year-old. You know, Vinny Pasquantino was somebody we thought, you know, probably needed a little bit more. Didn't get a big signing bonus. Bobby Witt did. Um, here's Bobby Witt in his uh, statement. Says, uh, from the moment I was drafted in 2019, the entire Royals organization and fans have treated me and my family like their own. This city and this team have felt like home since day one, and it's an honor to have the opportunity to continue to represent all of KC. I am incredibly grateful to the Sherman family and the Royals front office for believing in me, and I promise to do everything in my power to help bring championship baseball back to Kansas City. You know, he talked about at the um, Royals uh, Fan Fest over the weekend, or whatever they're calling it now, um, and said, you know, it's it's February and pitchers and catchers reporting and everything and and you know everything's red. It's like you know, how do we make that blue? How do we get that to be blue? And it was blue, you know, at one point. I mean, 2013, 14, yeah. 15, like it was blue. Yeah. And you know, uh, the the Chiefs played the Lions in England, and nobody really remembers it other than it was the morning mm-hmm. of the day that they won the World Series against the Mets. That's how I remember that they played the Lions that day is because of the the Royals winning the World Series later on that night against the Mets. Like, it was blue. Can it be blue again? Yeah. It'd be awesome if it's purple. You know? Can it be blue and red constantly, like at the same time, where you're making the playoffs and you still have Patrick Mahomes and, you know, what's going on with the Chiefs right now? That would be great. John Sherman, his uh, statement, we are extraordinarily proud to announce an historic deal with a very special player. Like our fans, I'm thrilled that this ensures Bobby will compete in a Royals uniform for many years to come. Bobby makes us better, and I'm grateful for his commitment to our fans, our city, and our team. J.J. Piccolo, his statement, From the day we drafted him, we felt confident Bobby would become one of our game's brightest stars and biggest talents. These last two seasons have been confirmation of that talent and proof that he's an even better teammate. We know he wants to win here for our fans as much as we do. So there you go. Those are the statements from Bobby Witt, John Sherman, and J.J. Piccolo. And he's going to be a Royal for seven more years, man. Seven more years. And it's great because I looked at it, and there was a part of me, and, and unfortunately over the summer, like we were talking about how soon do you start to look to trade Bobby Witt Jr. Like in a couple of years to where you would be trading him to a team that still had team control. For a, for a year or so. Then if you trade him in the last year, and then he's going into free agency, now he's a rental player, do you get as much back? Like, how do you maximize the trade value for Bobby Witt? And it was the same song and dance. It's the record on repeat. The same song and dance. When do you trade him? What can you get out of this guy when you trade him? Can you then start the clock all over again? And maybe that's what the Royals will have to do. Maybe that's the... Um, the, the you know, the, the bowl they'll have to continue to um, uh, be in of trading and restarting clocks, trading and getting fresh prospects to come in and not be able to give out these contracts. And maybe it's around Bobby Witt at the time. Or maybe Bobby Witt's coming up to the end of his contract and they've got some guys that are coming up and they or some pretty good players. They're not winning. You trade those guys and you say, we got to start over at this point. Bobby's opting out. He's going somewhere else. And we've got these guys, and without Bobby, we need to figure out how do we create another you know, young nucleus. Because over the seven years, you'll have 
you know, Vinny Pasquantino and Garcia and Cole Reagans and, you know, some of the younger guys, hopefully, that are coming up as well and draft picks that maybe then add on to what we're seeing from Bobby Witt Jr. But you've got a piece that you can build around. Doesn't guarantee success because Mike Trout's the best player in baseball for a number of years, made a lot of money, and uh, they didn't do anything. Well, I mean, if they could have gotten Mike Trout, like, uh, the second, maybe the actual best player in baseball, for him to be, like, the number two, two, surely then they would have won. Oop, they... They also didn't do that either. They didn't do that either. They didn't do that either. Oh. It doesn't guarantee success, but what it does is it gives optimism that the Royals are willing to spend, and that John Sherman and what he said a couple of years ago or in the offseason last year of, you know, when it comes time to spend, we'll spend the money, but we're going through an evaluation year. We need to know what we have, what we want to spend the money on, what we don't have. Well, they've gone out and spent money. They've uh, he's, he's, you know, put his money where his mouth is, not literally, but, you know, he's gone and done that. I wish his mouth was in the East Village because I just figured it out. Uh, it, it doesn't guarantee success. You're 100% right about that. We have plenty of evidence. But it guarantees two things to me. It, one, essentially guarantees who the best player on this team is going to be for the next seven years. It's either going poorly if he's not or he is one of the best players in baseball. Mm-hmm. And, and you get to know that that's, your, that's the face of your franchise. It also does guarantee, as you were alluding to, seriousness. This is not an unserious yeah. organization in this moment. This, this is a team that has found its star, has locked him up for almost a decade, and potentially a little more than a decade, most likely. Let's talk about these seven years. That's huge for just restabilizing where this organization is right now. And Jason at the risk of Uh-oh. sounding like a Chargers fan. Uh-oh. I think the Royals deserve a ring. No, listen, this isn't the ring of the offseason. <laughs> this isn't an early World Series ring. But it is a ring from Ruback Fine Jewelry. We okay. get out the ring every week. And in this case, the Royals and Bobby Witt Jr. deserve it. They get the ring for getting this deal done, making us talk about the Royals in February like we've just time-traveled back about a decade. It's brought to you by Ruback Fine Jewelry. Once you've been to Ruback one time, you're a customer for life. Check out their new location in downtown Overland Park. You can call or text Hal today about scheduling your appointment at 913-649-8811 or visit their website at ruback.co. That's R-U-B-A-C-K dot C-O. All right, we'll take a time out. We'll come back. More Zone right after this. We'll have more conversation about the franchise trajectory-altering deal with Bobby Witt Jr. Bobby Witt Jr. signing an 11-year contract. Seven years of that guaranteed. He's got three options. And then the Royals, after 11 years, have a three-year team option. That can make it a 14-year contract. The 37-year-old Bobby Witt Jr. going up to bat for the Royals. I mean, there's no chance it'll be the 14-year, but you get the point. They can always renegotiate, they can extend, they can do some things like that. But at the very minimum, this contract, the Royals have bought out three years of free agency for Bobby Witt Jr. Remarkable. Remarkable. More next.